0: Look, my mum always told me, if you can't say something nice, say nothing at all. And for that reason, I try not to say much about Credit Suisse on my channel. But equally, I find when I look at my old videos, I do seem to keep mentioning them. And I'm not always nice. This morning, I realized that my mum stole that expression from the Disney film Bambi. She just corrected the grammar a little bit. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. And I'm not sure that I should go through life following the moral teachings of an animated rabbit. So I suppose we should once again discuss the goings on at Credit Suisse. Now, most of you who don't live in California probably first heard of Silicon Valley Bank last week when everything fell apart. But I'm sure you're familiar with Credit Suisse. It's a, it's a big firm. Last time I checked, it was the eighth largest publicly listed bank in the world by market cap. Oh hold on it's it's a while since i checked and it seems to have lost around a hundred billion dollars in market cap over the last 15 years which is bad and it's actually the hundred and fifty fifth largest bank in the world today so yeah it's it's around the size of webster financial of stamford connecticut which i'm sure is a fine institution okay i can tell from your confused look that not all of you have heard of Webster Financial of Stamford, Connecticut. Well, what else is there? Um, Crocs, you know those uh, rubber clogs? Credit Suisse is a bit smaller than Crocs, the company that makes those shoes. So, yeah, Credit Suisse, maybe they could diversify into the flip-flop industry and eventually be bigger than Crocs, who knows? Anyhow, it hasn't been a great week for Credit Suisse. Its biggest investor was asked earlier this week if he would buy more stock in the bank by a Bloomberg journalist. And he replied, absolutely not. Here's the clip. The answer is absolutely not for many reasons, outside the simplest reason, which is regulatory and statutory. We now own um, 9.8% of the bank. If we go above 10%, all kinds of new rules kick in. Now, I think if he had said, I'd love to, but I'm restricted by various regulations from doing so, things might have gone a little bit better. Absolutely not was absolutely not the best thing to say at a time when people are eyeing banks with suspicion. So, that wording caused some jitters and the stock price fell as much as 28% in the biggest one-day sell-off in the stock on record, leaving it down more than 75% over the last year. Its bonds fell to levels that signal financial distress, which securities due in 2026, dropping below 70 cents on the dollar. The move sparked a sell-off in both European and US bank stocks. As investors were already on edge due to the bank runs last week in the United States. Now, I'm not sure if it's true, but I'm hearing the rumor that David Chamath and Jason have invited Amar, the big Saudi investor, to join the All In podcast, as sparking bank runs has become their new thing now that no one's interested in SPACs or blitzscaled startups anymore. So, Credit Suisse bounced back yesterday after receiving a $54 billion loan from the Swiss Central Bank and instantly announcing plans to buy back about $3 billion worth of their debt to boost liquidity and calm investors. So far there has been no mention of expanding into the horrible footwear market. I did mock up this clog in Photoshop for them to try and help out. I'm not that good at Photoshop, but I just figured that it might be helpful. Now, the Swiss National Bank giving this credit line to Credit Suisse obviously indicates a few things, firstly that there is no need for a run on the bank as there will be enough money for all depositors, secondly it signals that the Swiss National Bank and Swiss regulators have examined the bank and the fact that they are willing to make this loan indicates that they think that things are okay at Credit Suisse. And thirdly, if Credit Suisse can buy back a lot of its debt at a discount, this will show as a profit in their accounts. For all its scandals and mistakes, Credit Suisse did have a strong and liquid balance sheet as of Wednesday. Now we have seen a few big issues with banks over the last week, the most notable ones being Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse. These crises are very different to each other, but they are still somewhat linked. Silicon Valley banks' failure can mostly be explained by their failure to properly manage their interest rate risk. Credit Suisse is in a very different position, partially because it is classified as a global systemically important bank and it's subject to tough liquidity rules, capital rules and stress tests, which SVB was exempt from. But all of the prudential banking rules might have prevented Credit Suisse from the financial problems that Silicon Valley banks succumbed to, but Credit Suisse has instead been plagued by repeated scandals, from spying on a former employee, a criminal conviction for allowing drug dealers to launder money, a massive leak of client data to the media, Archegos, Greensill, Mozambique Tuna bonds, the list is too long. You would maybe even think that this willingness to break laws and skirt regulations would add to the profits at Credit Suisse, but no, they've managed to be involved in every scandal and always lose money. On a serious note, though, these scandals show systematic failures in risk management at the firm, which destroyed the bank's reputation and ultimately hit the firm's bottom line. Credit Suisse released their annual report on Tuesday, announcing in it that management did not design and maintain an effective risk assessment process to identify and analyse the risk of material misstatements in its financial statements, going on to say that its full year 2022 results were unaffected by this. So while the situations are very different at Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse, They are both huge failures of risk management. The loss of reputation at Credit Suisse over the years has led to an exodus of their most talented staff. The best bankers don't want to walk around with Credit Suisse printed on their business card. It doesn't help to attract business, and it does nothing for their resumes. The bad reputation will have equally made it more difficult to attract any new business. Why would someone choose to deal with Credit Suisse when there are other reputable banks that they could do business with? Wealth management customers appear to have lost fate in the firm too. The wealth management business suffered from over $100 million in outflows in the final quarter of 2022. The actions of the Swiss National Bank mean that disaster has been averted for the time being, but Credit Suisse is possibly still critically wounded. Their bond slid further yesterday, one of their dollar bonds, maturing in 2027, gave up its gains to trade down almost 5% on the day to 66 cents on the dollar. Another dollar bond maturing in 2028 slid 13 per cent to just below 64 cents. These bond declines came despite a rebound in the bank shares on Thursday. Prices below 70 cents on the dollar are generally considered to be a marker of distress. The same bonds had been trading in the 80s and 90s respectively as recently as Monday this week. Some of the share price recovery was possibly driven by short covering, as the short thesis is a lot weaker now that the Swiss National Bank is backstopping the firm. There are a number of reasons to believe that the European banking system is in much better shape to weather the stresses of the current banking environment than the US regional banks of similar size. As Dan Davies of Frontline Analysts argues in the FT, This is not because European banks are very good, it is precisely because they have historically been quite bad. A regulatory filing published by the French bank BNP Paribas on Tuesday shows that its profit and loss account has very little sensitivity to interest rate movements. The Spanish bank BBVA, as another example, has hardly any sensitivity of its shareholder funds to interest rates. As Davies points out, practically every banking regulation in existence commemorates a time when things went badly wrong. And Europe spent a decade toughening up banking regulation because it went through a rolling multi-year euro crisis. The European regulators have a detailed set of standards for testing interest rate risk, with the idea that they will be applied to every significant bank in Europe. Unrealized losses are not ignored under this regime and the global basal standards on stable funding are applied across the entire banking sector. This is quite different to the regulators applied to community banks in the United States who lobbied the government for regulatory exemptions over the years. European banks have underperformed US banks since the credit crunch, largely driven by this additional regulatory burden that they face. But the idea is that if regulators are going to agree to bail out banks from time to time, they should reasonably put restrictions in place as to how much risk these banks are allowed to take. The economist Matthew Klein argued in a blog post earlier this week that banks today can be seen as speculative investment funds grafted on top of critical infrastructure, and that this structure is designed to extract subsidies from the rest of society by threatening civilians with crises if the bank's bets are ever allowed to fail. He goes on to argue that the US government's response to the collapses of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, effectively removing the cap on deposit insurance while letting lenders borrow relatively cheaply against fictitious asset values, is a reminder that those threats usually work. Now, while Credit Suisse's balance sheet was reasonably strong, unlike the US banks that collapsed last week, its reputation was obviously not. The unending list of scandals, most of them coming from the firm's senior management and its investment banking division, have destroyed the once impressive brand. This loss of reputation has driven away the top talent and the firm's customers, collapsing profitability. We have seen this week that this profitability issue in a climate of fear can put a firm like Credit Suisse on the rocks. So what might happen next? With the Swiss National Bank backing Credit Suisse, and with its balance sheet in decent order, it seems highly unlikely that liquidity issues will sink the ship. This makes a Silicon Valley bank-style bank run way less likely. But while a central bank can provide liquidity, it can't provide a good business model, and that's what Credit Suisse needs customers have to see a good reason as to why they should choose to deal with a tarnished brand like Credit Suisse. The Swiss National Bank does have the tools to prevent an immediate bank failure, but the management of Credit Suisse has to find a way of turning around the firm's reputation and its profitability, which are linked. For investors, the bank's liquidity is not its fundamental problem. Instead, they worry that its business model is simply unprofitable. The current CEO has been in his role for less than a year and has a difficult path ahead of him. In October, he announced a restructuring plan to cut costs, reduce the size of the workforce and sell part of the Securitized Products Unit to PIMCO and Apollo. He additionally outlined plans to spin off the capital markets and advisory business over the next three years under a rejuvenated CS First Boston brand. The options on the table, if things continue in their current direction, include tearing up this restructuring plan, spinning off its Swiss unit, a full takeover by another bank, or in a worst case scenario, the resolution of the bank. In a call with clients on Wednesday, JP Morgan analyst Kian Abu Hussein said that Credit Suisse's most likely destiny was a takeover by its Swiss rival UBS. Now, a merger between Switzerland's two largest banks has been discussed for quite some time, but has been seen as unlikely for antitrust reasons. The current situation has led to speculation that such a takeover could occur if regulators felt it was the best way of stabilizing one of the country's most important financial institutions. Under a more extreme scenario, some are arguing that the central bank could step in to guarantee the deposits, take full control of the business, sell it off in pieces and wind the rest down. This would be politically difficult, especially if Swiss taxpayers were to take a hit. Not to mention the embarrassment of one of the country's biggest companies being brought down. So anyhow, my suggestion for Credit Suisse, which I feel is a good one, is less banking, more rubber clogs. It works for the Crocs people, and it's the banking thing that seems to keep getting Credit Suisse in trouble. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Make sure you tell your friends about it, because that's how podcasts grow. Have a great day, and talk to you again soon. Bye.